I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Chasing Justice. So there are some things that, that we're going to talk about today. Now, my last few episodes have been jam-packed with all kinds of different, you know, current events and things that are going on. I'm thinking now that I'm going to do some current events because it's important that we stay up on what's going on in the world. But we need to get back to kind of thinking about some things and, and working out some, some ideas and some thoughts. So we're going to do that today. So I think we'll start. Where shall we start, Lieutenant Joe? Uh, I think let's start with some current events. So we see Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia. He has announced that he will not seek re-election. And he is currently on a tour around the country where he's trying to figure out, should he make a run at the presidency as a third party? Uh, no baggage or something or other, they're called the party. So you say to yourself, you know, why, <coughs> sorry, why would he do that? Why would he, why would he stay as a Democrat in a state that's all Republican who like him? He's the only Democrat, I think, that could be uh, elected in West Virginia now. They've gone really, really, really red. But why would he, he he's, he's more conservative, though he does vote with the liberals a lot. So, you know, the, you know, the thing, here's the thing with Joe Manchin. I think we want to like him and we, we give him more credit for being conservative than he really deserves. And I think the reason we do that is because he is, he is probably the least or one of the least liberal members of the Democrat Party, especially in the Senate. And therefore, he seems to shine once in a while when he held off uh, the couple of votes that he was the only vote that prevented the Democrats from doing a couple of really negative things they want to do to the country. He was held in a place of esteem. He kept them from doing that, right? And I think there's this, there's this feeling that, I mean, he looks like a nice guy. You see him and he seems to talk reasonable. He speaks reasonable. And you kind of hope that, well, listen, Joe, you're a, you're a, you're a, a Republican. You're conservative, man. Just switch parties and you take the power away from them. You know, you hold them off on the worst stuff. Just join the right side and you can help America. But he's not going to do that. And that's where I think we give him more credit. I know I'm not going to say everybody, but I know I did. How many times did I see him speak and I said, he sounds reasonable, but he'd be he'd be a good Republican. And he just he doesn't make the commitment. He doesn't step over and do the right thing. He stays he stays with the Democrats. Now, there's no reason to do that politically in his home state. His home state is all Republican now. If he switched over, they would welcome that and vote him in 10 more times. But he doesn't do that. So what's the purpose of a third-party run? If he feels so, so drawn to doing the right thing, to helping American politics find its voice, that it, it's good for all the people, well, then just join the Republican Party and do the right thing. But he doesn't do that, and that's that's unfortunate. So I don't know where he's going to go, what he's going to end up doing, but I, I think he's 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 one of them guys that has an opportunity to be transformational, to be really great, and he's missing the boat. He's missing the boat. 
he's like when we spoke about Chris Christie recently. And I told you when he came to New Jersey, he was he was like, this guy is excellent. And then he ended up betraying everybody who supported him. And he ended up leaving here with a very, very low uh, a rating of approval. And now he's just viewed as a buffoon who is only out there for himself and what he can get. And, and it, it's disappointing because he really – he had a position to make a difference. And, you know, I think about that all the time. I say to myself – what would you do if you had the position that some of these people have to do the right thing, to, to make things better? Would you fall for the, the money and the lure of the power and the prestige and the, the cocktail parties and all that stuff? Or would you go in there and do the right thing and say, well, I might be here for one term and then that's it? Well, I hope all of you out there know me by now. Uh, that you would understand that what I would do is I would do the one term and I would stand strong. Now, that I'm not announcing I'm running for anything because I'm not. I don't have time for that. I don't have the funding for that. I'm not a billionaire. I don't have billionaire backers. Uh, but I, I always wonder, you know, if, if, if I was that guy, what would I do? You know, I, I look at Donald Trump, too. I look at him and I said, we all out here seem to understand that his policies are great. That he seems to be a decent enough man. He says and does a couple of things that are knucklehead and we don't like. But, you know, doesn't everybody look at you? Don't you do some things that are knucklehead or your friends do something that's – and you're just like, eh, I don't agree with that. But but I look at him and I say, if I had 10 minutes to sit down with him, I think what I would say to him is, listen, I think here's 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 an opportunity to change the narrative, flip the script on the press so that they can't – can't keep riding you as hard as they are. They're still going to do it because the, the press is uh, all anti-conservative, anti-Republican. That's just the truth. But we saw that when he, he won Iowa and he came out and he was very conciliatory, people saying. He was very conci- and I was really surprised to hear the way he, he spoke. You know, Ron and uh, Nikki did a good job. I thought that was great. And that's kind of what I'm thinking of here. I'm saying to myself, if I had 10 minutes with him and he would listen, I'd say, you know, listen, Donald, I'm not a former president. I'm not a billionaire. I'm not anybody who's walked in your shoes. I haven't run a multi-multi-million dollar company. I don't have properties all over the world. But I am someone who watches, sees, and I vote. And I also think. And I think what I would tell him would be one of the smartest things he could do is go out there and if he has to pay for the time on the advertising or whatever, have a town hall and basically tell us how you would bring everyone together. No name-calling no slide remarks, no, no, you know, veiled comments that are, I think I would say is something like, you know, it is this point in America when we have different points of view on how we should go forward, on what America should be, how we should be seen, our position in the world, and what we can do together as opposed to apart. So right now, we are split almost 50-50 between more conservative, traditional people and progressive socialist people. We're going to fight with each other forever and we're never going to get anything done. The politicians that are out there are out there for themselves. They're not out there for the people. They trick everybody with their comments. The system is messed up. Our, our, our functional uh, agencies are all a train wreck. We need to all come together. So what I'm offering is I'm offering to come together and let's see how we can solve these problems. Now, I'm not saying these exact words, but I think a, a position like that is, listen, I understand people don't like the things I've said. And I've said wrong things. I've said them wrong. I said them out of context. Even if they were jokes, they were probably wrong. 
And if it bothers people, that's genuine. It bothered people. You know, people say things that bother me, but you know, it, it did bother them. And I want you to know that that's not really me. And I probably should have handled it differently, but I didn't. Going forward, we have to all come together to save this country. That's the kind of thing I think I would say. But can he actually, can he do that? Can that make a difference? Will that make a difference at this point in our nation's history? Well, let's take a look at these Trump trials as they're being called. Well, I think they just did a poll in Iowa and 78% of the people in Iowa think all the charges against Trump are bogus and politically related. I think you'd have to, if you're, if you're an honest person, you'd have to look at all the trials that are going on and say to yourself, is this man such a criminal that the former president of the United States should be indicted and locked up and thrown in jail? Did he kill anybody? No, he didn't. Ted Kennedy did, and he got to run. He's the lion of the Senate. What has he actually done? Well, we talked about the charges in New York. The prosecutor, Letitia James, she actually campaigned on being the prosecutor so she could go after Trump and I'll get him. Now, you don't just go after people as a prosecutor to get them. You don't just target them because you don't like them because you think they've done something. The way the system works, and believe me, I've been part of the system for 35 years. Someone is aggrieved. They're victimized in some way. They're injured. They're hurt. Somebody took something from them. And they come in and they make a report, a police report. And the police will investigate it. Gee, uh, Lieutenant Joe came in and said a guy broke into his house and uh, smashed him in the face and stole all his uh, record albums. Well, that's a crime. That's burglary. That's assault. Could be possession of a weapon. And, it, you know, it's theft. So, yes, yeah, so that's a crime. So the prosecutor should look at that and go, okay, let's see if we can figure out who did it. And we prosecute them for committing that crime. You don't come in and say, you know what? I don't like Lieutenant Joe, so I'm going to do everything I can to get him. And we're going to charge him with the most bizarre, never used statute that we can possibly find just so we can get him. And then people cheer. And I don't know that our friends on the left are realizing the damage that they're doing to our country. When you cheer for an inappropriate prosecution, a trumped up set of charges, when you allow someone with power to go out and say, I'm going to get this person. There's no complaint. There's no crime in front of me. I'm going to get him. And people cheer. That is not serving justice. What that is, is that is twisting justice. That is using the power of the prosecutor's office, of the power of government, to go after somebody and take them off the stage. And you know what? We'll use whatever laws we got. We'll twist the wording. We'll hide evidence. We'll do whatever we got to do. We're going to get this person. And then people stand up and cheer. And they say, that's great because we don't like them either. Well, that might be great in Russia. That might be great in China. That might be great in uh, Venezuela. But that's not right in America. That is totally inappropriate. And for anyone out there on the left who's listening, and I know you are, I know there's people in their basement in their underwear taking notes about Lieutenant Joe, but I also know there are other people who are on the left who are trying to understand what goes on, to hear the other side of the argument, to try and make sense of this world. I would appeal to them, and I would say the damage that's being done, other than the fact that I could say our friends on the left can be pretty confident that our Republicans are never going to do these kind of things. They just won't. They, they have that opportunity to do it, and they don't do it. 
Now, am I uh, am I asking for the Republicans to do things to use the powers that they have to go after people? No, I'm not. Is there a is there a tendency to to feel like that that vengeance would be good? You know, use the power and go after them. Bring in witnesses that don't have to give their name. Bring in uh, whistleblowers that don't have to say who they are. Bring in witnesses that say they've seen all this stuff and go after people. Well, there is, and I think we'd be lying to ourselves and to each other if we didn't say that that was true. It would be nice for our people to have some cuyones and go after the team that's always going after us, that's lying about us. That's, you know, look at the things that have happened. It, it is so frustrating. And the frustration is actually tells us how bad things have gotten. Right, so the Trump trials, we have a former president of the United States Normally, a position held in high esteem. Former president, even presidents that weren't good, were held in high esteem. Jimmy Carter was highly revered. He was a horrible president. I liked the man. I thought he was a good man. I think he lived a good life. He tried to do what he did, but he was all wrong. His policies were all wrong. Everything he did was wrong as president. But he's still revered as a president of the United States. Uh, Richard Nixon managed to somewhat recoup his reputation by the end of his life. He was seen as an expert on, on many different things. He wasn't hated with the vitriol with which people hate Trump. And you say to yourself, why, why do they hate him so much? Because he made a, a gross comment about grabbing some woman who let you do it because you're famous? No, it can't be just that because lots of people in Hollywood not only say disgusting things, but they actually do disgusting things. Politicians do disgusting things. People lie blatantly and we know all about it. We, we catch them in the lies and, and they're, not, they're not held to account. Hillary Clinton, people still go and listen to her. She gets to be a, uh, an adjunct professor, a person of honor, and she made up the whole uh, Russia hoax. She made it up. She lied, causing how much damage to our country. And she's still applauded. She goes on TV shows. She's one of the greatest thinkers of all time. Oh, she's fantastic. She's a liar. She's a cheater. She uses the system to her betterment. And then she walks around and blames everybody else. Oh, it's gonna it's everyone else's bad. I'm just and we all know she's no good. But we don't do anything about it. There's no there's no there's no penalty for that. For some people. Look at this Adam Schiff guy who lied. He was, he was on the intelligence uh, committee, right? He lied about having, I have the smoking gun about Trump and Russia. I have it. I have it. I have. No one has ever said, well, produce the evidence. And he has never produced it. He didn't have evidence to produce. He was lying to the American people. For what purpose? For a political purpose. So that people would go after Trump. So they would turn on Trump. So they could change the political dynamics. Not through the vote. Not by making a case, not by the, uh, in the in the arena of ideas and changing people's minds and hearts by going, hey, we have a better way to do this. We think taxing you to death and, uh, and, and controlling you and regulating everybody's business, we think that's a better way to go. And if people think that is, they would vote for it. And that's, you know, that's how we, we're allowed to do it. But they don't. They, they obfuscate. They cheat. They lie. And they're not held accountable. They're not held accountable for that. Nancy Pelosi was every single day, all she did was think of a way, how do we impeach this guy? How do we impeach this guy? He makes a phone call to Zelensky to ask about corruption going on that involved Joe Biden, which we now know there was a lot of corruption going on with Joe Biden. 
And probably the reason that Biden is so hell-bent on giving billions of dollars to Ukraine is that they could probably undermine him and his son and his whole family very, very easily by presenting the facts that they actually know, just as the Chinese could. So you wonder, you say to yourself, here's China, declared themselves an enemy of America in everything that they do and say. And why does the president of the United States uh, bend over backwards for them? Let them skate. Let them have what they want. Not go after them when the spy balloon goes over America. Not go after them when they do all these other things. Do you think maybe because they got stuff on this guy that they could come out with proof, phone calls, recorded conversations, checks, everything, and, and, and really sink President Biden's ship of corruption? So instead, as long as he keeps the money flowing and he keeps it going there, everybody, I'd say, hey, the arrangement stays. Now, I don't know that for a fact, but I think that that's probably exactly what it is, that that's why he allows China to skip and do whatever they want. And he allows, uh, you know, Ukraine, he keeps trying to get the money, berating everyone. We got to send them more money, more money, more money. So I, I find that disheartening. And all the Trump prosecutions are politically based. They're all run by the same group of people. They are run through Democratic prosecutors, Democratic judges. And you're going to be held in cities that are democratically controlled because they know how they're going to vote. You know, we, we don't live in a world today where you can't guess. There's one of these things you can come up with just about any topic whatsoever. And you could talk about it. And I think most of us could guess which side the Republicans and the, and the liberals would come down on. Right. OK, Donald Trump, it looks like he's being railroaded. He had documents that he he had rights to. He was president. He says he uh, declassified them. But they say, no, you didn't. You're not allowed to declassify. You can't do anything. And they charge him and indict him. They raid his house. The president of the United States, ex-president of the United States, they raid his house with the FBI, machine guns, armed people. Joe Biden has thousands more documents that he was not permitted to have. He wasn't the president. He was the vice president. He had no permission to have those documents. He had them in several different locations, including unsecured boxes in his garage. And the prosecutors look at us. Yeah, no, we're not. We're not going to. Uh, we're not going to uh, prosecute him. But Trump, we're going to indict him. Right? It's a scam. And most of us can see it. I think what's frustrating to most people is that you can see it. And if you're on the side of truth and justice, it's frustrating to you to see it and not be able to do anything about it. If you're on this, the other side where, hey, you're just glad they're getting Trump. You don't care if they lie, if they cheat, if they use the system because you don't like them. So it's good. And that's very short-sighted. And like I said, I think the people who, who find glee in the system being bastardized and used against Donald Trump because they don't like him, they also understand clearly the Republicans wouldn't do this stuff. The Republicans wouldn't do this stuff. They've had the Congress. They have a, they're, well, they're going to have a committee to think about a committee to think about whether they should go after Hunter Biden. And they won't invite the president in. They won't embarrass the president of the United States. You think the Democrats cared one iota about embarrassing Trump when he was president or lying about him or, or impeaching him on nonsense? No, they didn't care. They just went and did it. Did they care that it was unconstitutional things? No, they didn't care. Did they care that they were lying to the American people? No, they didn't care. They didn't care twice about it, and they were not held accountable. So this is, this is the symptoms of a failing society. It's a symptom of a failing society when you have 
the rest of the world watching us go through these machinations of abusing power, of lying, and going after an ex-president because you don't want him getting back in. And why wouldn't they want him to get back in? Well, I think it's pretty clear they don't want Trump to go back in because the first time I'm going to say he went in naive. I think he went into the office going, hey, I won the presidency. Um, I'm going to get to go in and, and be president and do presidential stuff, right? Didn't realize that everything he wanted to do would be thwarted by the other party who had power. Shut it down. Charge him. Go after judges. Find judges, liberal judges who will shut him down and tell the president no. And your executive order is no good, but the other executive orders from, from them are good. But yours are not good and you can't do it. And you... It was actually a cacophony of nonsense that we all witnessed throughout the four years of the Trump presidency. Lies, made up things, fake uh, information that came out about him, uh, whistleblowers who came out and lied, were caught to lie. Uh, when they went after his picks, Judge Kavanaugh, and they had these line of people who were lying and couldn't prove anything they were saying, they were heralded as, oh, great. But when you have someone on the other side, a woman, who made a report that Biden physically, sexually assaulted her. No, no, she's a liar. She's no good. She's political. We can't have her anywhere. We can't have her on TV show. We nothing. We get rid of her. That's not justice. That's not justice. And that's what the American people are feeling. Now, the question is, is enough American people, are enough American people feeling this to realize that we've, we've come through We've come through a black hole of sorts. We've come through a wormhole of sorts. You know, previously there might have been this back and forth uh, of nonsense, but we all kind of played by some, you know, we didn't lie about evidence. We didn't make things. We didn't impeach people. Now, they impeach at the drop of a hat, our friends on the left. Hey, just, just run an impeachment. It's an impeachment. It's a very, very serious thing to do. <clears throat> Here our Republican friends have been in charge for quite a while now on the, in the Congress, and they have every, every smoking gun you could possibly have to impeach President uh, uh, Biden. Have they done it? No. They're almost out of time. The election cycle has started up. They might lose control and never have done anything. And this is also frustrating to people. So I, I'm, just, I'm just looking at that and I'm saying the Trump trials the disrespect, not just for Donald Trump, but for the office of president, for every single American who voted for him, is, is unprecedented. And the media is part of it. And it shows you the, the depth of despair that America is in. There's lots and lots of good people out there on both sides of the aisle, no doubt about it. There's good, decent people in, in, that have political persuasions that are different than each other. But unfortunately... The people who are in charge of it are destroying the country. Some purposely because they want it to be fundamentally changed. They want it to be a different place. They want it to be a socialized kind of a place. They want to control power. They want to control what you can do, what you can say. They want to regulate every single thing. They'd love to take over all the mechanisms of business as all socialists would because then they would make it fair, wouldn't they? Uh, they would love to take over the oil industry and the manufacturing industry, and everyone could work for the government. There's no doubt. They've, they've demonstrated that that's what they would do if they had the opportunity. In the COVID-19 lockdown, when they arrested people for opening their businesses, when they took people to jail and want to charge them criminally, 
because they open their business because they want to regulate what you you can't come out of your house. You will wear a mask. You will do. You can't get on an airplane. You can't do. Unbelievable things that we witnessed right in front of our eyes. And the question to ask is, did all of the things that were done then and that are being done now to suppress your rights, to suppress your free speech, to control what you say, when you say, how you say it, where you say it, are all of those things in the interest of greater freedom and liberty and justice or less freedom, liberty and justice? Well, it's pretty clear. It is not in favor of greater freedom, liberty, and justice. It is to shut you down, shut you up, and have you do what you're told. What do you think the attacks on all these January 6th people are? Now, I've said here a thousand times, they should not have gone into that Capitol building. I know that you don't go into the Capitol building when it's closed. Unless it's open for a tour, you don't go in. And the people that went in were trespassing. Well, trespassing is a $200 fine for going in someplace you didn't. If you broke something when you were in there, then that's criminal mischief. That could be a $1,500 fine or pay restitution. If you went in there and you hit a police officer, you should get charged with assault on an officer and you go to jail for that, and that's appropriate. If you threatened people, if you injured people, you have to deal with that. You shouldn't have done it. I've said that all along. But going after people now, I heard the other day, and I don't know how much truth there is to this, but if it is, it had better scare each and every person out there when they said not only are they going to continue to go after the people that they have inside the building, the trespassers, but they're going to start now looking at the video of the people that were in the square that didn't go in the building, that were outside the Capitol, and they're going to go after them for prosecutions. What is the purpose of all of that? Is that purpose to secure our Capitol? Or is that purpose to tell everybody out there, you had better not protest against us or we will come after you? Now, in 2020, we had hundreds of riots that cost billions of dollars. People's lives were lost. They were killed in those riots. We have all that film. We have all that video. Are we combing through that and going locking up the people who did all that? No, because their riot, their riot was righteous. Their riot was on the right side. Their riot was politically motivated and therefore allowed, but not yours. If you have speech that they don't like, they will come and get you. We saw our tech giants, all these uh, social media platforms, government was in the back door. Liberal government was in the back door telling them to censor people. We'll determine what the truth is. Uh, that's uh, misinformation or disinformation. We'll discredit doctors who don't say what we want them to say. All of these things that we witnessed in front of us have come down to the Trump trials. That is the latest symptom of this attack on your freedom and your liberty and your children and grandchildren's freedom and liberty. And the only response we have, the only thing we can do is go out and vote. We can go out in numbers. We can make our voices heard. But isn't there a problem also of what are they going to do with the votes? Are they going to manipulate them? Are they going to have 30,000 ballots in every place that are not accounted for, that are not signed properly, and we throw them in there? Are they going to do that? Do you think they might do that? I think it's pretty clear. So all of these things are symptoms of our broken system. And if we don't get out there in numbers and vote and make sure our, our voices are heard in our vote and take back this country, there'll be no country to take back. All right, my friends, we'll be back in a minute with more Chasing Justice. 
Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill, it's a patent pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. AmericaOutloud.news was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. All right, are you back in your seats? Is your helmet strapped on? Are you sitting properly? Do you have a cocktail or a drink? Are you ready for more Chasing Justice? I hope so. So first thing I'm going to tell you about is Healthy Cell Products. Healthy Cell products are on the network here. I use them. I like the Immune Boost. They also have a product for sleeping to help you sleep better. And they have Focus Factor to help you think more clearly. I like these products. I use these products. I recommend these products to you for the exact purposes that they're used. I use them to help me stay healthy. And for years now, I have not been prone to the things my whole adult life I was prone to. So I fully uh, endorse those products. And they don't pay me anything. I buy their products and I use them and I like them, so I tell you about them, and they're on here on the uh, on the network, so I tell you about them. All right, now we talked a little a little bit 
of current events, and I got a little sidetracked talking about our nation and, and what's going on and things I'm concerned about. Well, let's take a look now recently around the world. Can you believe that there are still hostages, American hostages, Israeli hostages, and other countries' hostages kept hidden in tunnels in Gaza to this day? It's been months and months, and every once in a while they find two more of them dead, three more of them dead. Do you think they're ever going to let those women go? Do you think they're going to make a deal and let those women and the young girls who were held in those tunnels, do you think they're going to let them go? What do you think the chances that they're going to do that so that those women can come out and show physical signs of the unbelievable brutality they were uh, suffering from? The little girls who were raped repeatedly. Do you think they're going to let them go and come out and tell the world all of that stuff? Unfortunately, as time goes by, I feel so pained for the hostages themselves who are suffering every single day. Men, women, and children, older people, younger children, or younger people. And I feel for their families who are uh, sitting in their homes wondering what's happening to their, to their loved one who's being held hostage in a dank tunnel underneath some building somewhere in Gaza. Do you think they're treating them really well, giving them really good food, medical care? Or do you think that they're raping those women still every single day, those little girls? What do you think? Right? These are not the people of Gaza. These are the Hamas terrorists who are doing this. And where is the world? Where is the voice of the world? Where are all these people who are in the streets every day protesting? Uh, protesting from don't eat meat to we like flowers. Don't go to the moon. Don't use gasoline. Where are these people? who claim that all of this stuff that they do is because they love people so much. They have to protest. They love animals. In the meantime, you have human beings, innocent human beings, who were dragged from their homes, raped, and are held hostage for, for months. For months. Little children, elderly people. Where is the world to call out for this every single day? Yet the call, even from our own president, goes to Israel. Stop. You should slow down now. Cease fire. Cease fire. Uh, why? These people attacked Israel. They said they would do it again. When we hear rhetoric from leaders of these terrorist organizations, they say they should do that. We hear people in positions of authority in America say it was a good thing. It's deserved. Israel got what it, want, what it deserved. And you hear these, and it's impossible to believe that these people hold any position of authority where people can applaud them and say, that's great. They're right. Because I'll tell you, it's not right. It's evil what has happened. But are they going to release them? I sure hope so. I pray every night when I say my prayers, every night I say, please, God, protect those hostages and let them be free to come home to their families. Now, I can't imagine that if you were brutally raped, beaten, shot, stabbed, uh, tortured for over a hundred days that when they let you go, if they do let you go, that your life's going to go back to normal. Like it was going like it was on October 6th, you know, when a lot of those young people were heading to a concert to have a good time and spend time together and be full of, full of life and love. Do you think after a hundred days of being brutalized, seeing your friends shot, raped and murdered, do you think if they are released that, you know, what do they do? Come home, take a shower, take some antibiotics, and get on with their life again, go to another concert, live in another kibbutz area, 
never again fear the terrorists coming? You know how much psychological damage is done to all of those people? Their lives will never be the same. Their families' lives will never be the same. Well, some of them, some of them may heal mentally. Many of them may heal physically. It's, it's the trauma that they're living, the PTSD that they're going to have forever. These people are ruined. Their lives are absolutely ruined. There was a father when, when the October 7th attack first happened and his father said he saw, he saw or heard his, his, his young daughter, seven years old, was staying overnight at a friend's house and the house was attacked and people were killed and they took his little daughter away. And he was crying at the loss of his seven-year-old daughter. And he was hoping that she died in the attack so that she wouldn't have to live through the torture and the abuse that was going to be coming her way. Now, can you imagine as a father and your child is kidnapped and taken away by terrorists who murdered, raped, slaughtered people in public and your daughter, your seven-year-old daughter is dragged away by those people and you have a choice knowing in their hearts they know they're not coming back. There's a lot of hope, but I, I don't know that people at this point are, are, are really honestly hopeful. I think it's just something to keep everybody going. But could you imagine that you would hope that your daughter was killed in the attack as opposed to being repeatedly raped and brutalized at seven years old? Anyone who hears that and does not stand up against it is sick, is sick. If it happened the other way around, I'd say the same thing. But the Israeli troops are not going in raping, brutalizing uh, the children and the women of Gaza. They're not doing that. When they fight, they fight as legitimately as they can. They have a legitimate fight on their hands. And unfortunately, civilians get killed. Well, it, it, this ends. You want to end this? This thing ends. You want to, you know, no more, no more attacks. Israel back out. Everybody leave. All Hamas has to do is surrender, put down their weapons, put up the white flag, come out of the tunnels, bring out the whatever's left of the, of the hostages, and surrender. And the world will swoop in, and the world will look at what's going on, and they will help the Gazans, the people of, of Gaza and the West Bank. They will help them rebuild. They will heal them. Billions and billions of dollars will be sent in there from America and from Israel will be sent in there to help them. All they have to do is surrender and say, we don't want to destroy Israel. We don't want to kill Israelis. We don't want to rape and murder Israelis and Americans and everyone else. But how come the world is not saying that? Why is that not the message that we're all demanding? Why instead are we saying, Israel, stop, stop. You're, you're hurting them too bad. You're beating them up too bad. Now I get it. I get it. Loss of civilian life is horrible. Absolutely horrible. And that's why the message should go out there. What is Israel supposed to do? Put down their weapons, give up more land, let them rearm again, let them attack them again. Why, why does that sound like a good idea to anyone? And if you're on the left and you're sitting there going, hey, we got Israel's got to stop. Well, Israel will stop when they're safe. They have a right to be safe. How many times have we brought this up? If the Canadians and the Mexicans were launching rockets into our country every day, crossing our border, raping and murdering our people, taking them as hostage, would, should we stop? Should we stop uh, protecting ourselves? Should we stop going after them? When should we stop? 
When should we trust them not to rearm and shoot more rockets at us and kill more people? When should we do that? People are hypocrites when they say that. Killing and war is never good. It's never good. It's not good for humans. It's not, it's not what God would want from all of us. But we have, to, we have to understand who started what and who did what. Now, you can go back and say, well, the Israelis shouldn't have been there in the land. We'll go back further than that. And you see that Israel's been there for all of time. It's their traditional homeland. They were driven out by all kinds of different groups of people. They have a claim to the land. And what have they done? They've given up land for peace, given up land for peace, given up land for peace. And is there peace? No, there's just more attack, more war, more viciousness, more killing, more hatred. So you have to look at things clearly. You have to look at things with an open set of eyes. If the Israelis stop, there'll be more war because Hamas won't stop. Hezbollah won't stop. Other terror organizations there will not stop. They'll keep finding ways to plot, cross the border, kill and rape people. If Hamas stops and puts down their weapons, that ends the war. The whole world will step in to help them, to help them rebuild. But they have to do it without teaching their children to kill and murder. That the Israelis are bad and deserve to die, and we should hurt them every chance we get. That's the truth. You can see it or you cannot see it, but that is the truth. So I see over in, in the Holy Land, we have uh, Jerusalem and that area. Uh, some of the Holy Land is controlled by uh, uh, Muslim sects, Hamas, and different groups. And it's usually been a place where people can go and worship. You can go there. You can visit. You can go visit Jesus' birthplace. Not now. No, not so much now. Well, apparently recently there was a huge attack on Christians there by a, uh, a Muslim group who went and attacked defaced, destroyed the building, fire bombs, all kinds of things. Could you imagine that the world hasn't said a word about that? Could you imagine the world hasn't said a word about that? How about in Africa, where over Christmas time, uh, groups of Muslim followers went into the Christian areas and slaughtered hundreds of people on Christmas? And what does the world say? Nothing, not a word. Not a word. But can you imagine if the Israelis accidentally hit a mosque and blew it up in Gaza? Do you think that that story would ever end? That that would be the most vicious, ruthless, horrible thing that ever happened? That the Israelis are killers and bloodthirsty and they're haters? And that's all you would hear, wouldn't it be? But in the meantime, they can attack Christians in the Holy Land and kill them. And not a sound, not a peep, not a condemnation from anybody. People that see that and don't condemn it are sick. And it's unfortunate because we don't get along by ignoring evil. We call out evil, whichever side it is. If the Israelis were actually doing... You see, how many times do they report things that are not true? The Israelis hit a hospital and killed everybody in the hospital. It turns out it wasn't an Israeli bomb. It was an errant rocket fired by Hamas that misfired and landed in the parking lot of the hospital. But we were told that the Israelis targeted a hospital in Gaza to kill innocent people. It's not true. We hear these kind of stories all the time. Now we're hearing that the Israeli army is committing, um, uh, what are they, uh, field, field homicides. They're, they're grabbing people and summarily executing people. And it's reported all there. Right, look what they're doing. Look, can you believe that the Israelis are doing? It turns out, oh, they're not doing that. 
why is that? Why does our press report like that? Why, did, why, is, why is one side that commits vicious, horrible evil on other people considered the hero and that people are just simply trying to survive are considered the evil ones? Why is, why is that? Have you ever asked that question? I wonder that all the time and I'm saying to myself, how is it that people are so twisted in their thinking to not see this? I'm all for peace. I want everyone to live healthy and happy over there. They can have a paradise on the Mediterranean over there. Tourism, they can have people there. They, people can have food. They can have health care. They can have everything they need to thrive and raise their families and have uh, places where they can learn and, and it can be wonderful. But they choose not to have that. Why is that? Why do they choose not to have that? Because of this blind hatred they have. Israel is not going anywhere. The whole world knows that. Now, people might desire them to go. They might hate them and want to drive them from the river to the sea. But Israel's not going anywhere. Israel is a accepted, uh, recognized country. It has allies in the region and in the United States. It has a powerful military and it has a nuclear weapon. Now, they don't go around brandishing it scaring everyone with it and threatening everyone with it, but they got a nuclear weapon. And if one of these countries is going to try and come in and take them out, they will use it because like anyone, any country would. If they're going to annihilate you, you use what you have. So Israel is not going anywhere. It's not going to be removed. It's not going to be bombed out of existence. They're not going to rape and murder enough civilians that they get up and go away. So why isn't the world saying that? Why isn't the world saying, listen, we, we have to stop this argument about Israel has to go. Israel's not going to go. They're not, they're not going anywhere. We have to find a way to make peace, to live side by side. And if they don't want to live side by side, well, then the Israelis have to do what they have to do, which is what they're doing. They've given lots and lots and lots of chances for peace. And it's not the Israelis who start firing rockets into neighborhoods. Right? It's not the Israelis who do that. And if you think it is, then you're misinformed. The only time the Israelis fire into uh, these other territories is when they've been attacked or if they've taken incoming themselves. Then they have every right and responsibility to respond. This is where we lose, we lose sight of, of justice. We lose sight of what is real in the world. If your neighbor attacks your family, you have every right and responsibility to fight back. And if they keep attacking you, then you keep responding till eventually you have, to, you have to wipe it out. You can't allow your neighbors to keep attacking you. And that's what's going on over there. And it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of strange and hard to see and understand why the world sees things so twisted and why people acknowledge the twisted, twisted thoughts as though they're normal, as though, well, you, you might have a point of view on that. There, there could be a way of looking. There's no way of looking at it. One side is being an aggressive evil trying to destroy the other, and that would be the Hamas terrorists, not the people of Gaza. The Hamas terrorists and their followers, whoever they are, are trying to attack and destroy Israel. And that's that. That's what, that's what it is. That's what's causing this problem. All right? All right. So that, that got a little heavy. I'm sorry about that, but it's something that's just been rattling through my mind. I want peace in the world. I know God wants peace in the world. I'd be very upset seeing all of this uh, horror here and seeing the people not standing up for what's right and what's just. All right? So let's talk about something a little less horrible.
Thank you for putting up with me there. I saw a thing the other day. Chicago is going through some cold weather like they are t- prone to do in the wintertime, right? Very, very cold in Chicago and that northern Midwest there. Well, there was a picture of a Tesla charging station. And there was, I don't know, 20 or 30, 30 electric cars sitting there that couldn't be charged in the cold. And they were just all, I think they described them as dead robots because they were just for, now, could you imagine if that's, if that's how we got our trucking around? So in the winter, you can't really truck things around because uh, it'd be too cold for the truck. So therefore, uh, you know, we're not going to truck food and supplies around. Supply up early in, in the fall so that you have it because we can't do things. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. That's a whole other area of, of idiocy that we see out there. Is it a good idea to find alternate sources of energy? Yes, of course it is. The more sources of energy, the better. We should always be looking to find cleaner, better, healthier uh, energy for the planet and for human beings. But in the meantime, if to be honest, there is no better energy than fossil fuels right now, natural gas, right? That is the power energy. That's what powers our cars, our heats our homes, powers our factories, uh, keeps us going, keeps our airplanes flying. So to come out and say, we're going to stop in three years, we're going to only have electric cars and we're only going to do this, we're only gonna, is absolute, absolutely asinine. And the fact that people are with these kind of ideas are treated, well, that's a, it's, 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 it's an interesting concept. It's something I think we might be able to work around. That is BS. We are no closer to having an electric car fleet that everyone can afford, that they can charge, that they have uh, very good mileage that we can get out of those vehicles. Until that happens, it's not doable. It's nice to have if you're a rich person. You're a rich woman and you want to have an $80,000 battery-operated car that you got to charge every 200 miles. You should have that. that. It should be out there. It should be available. And if you want it, you go buy it and you live with the, with the restrictions of that car. But the rest of us, we need reliable transportation that you turn the key and it starts and I can go to Florida on a couple tanks of gasoline and I can come home and I can go across the country and I get on the airplane and fly to Europe. Right? can't do that with electric. You can't do that with uh, air power, wind power, and all this other nonsense. They're good technologies that we should be working on. The government should fund research into these things. Right? But we can't bank our economy and our lifestyle on it now because it's not there. Right? What did, who was it? Was it? Is it Avis or Enterprise Rent-A-Car? Just announced that they're selling uh, $200 million worth of the electric cars they bought. They bought them to use them as rentals, figuring, oh, this is going to go forward. We're going to appease the government. Look at us. We're buying all these electric cars. And people don't want them. They don't want to use them. It's too costly. It's too much of a pain in the neck. So what do they do? They're selling off the fleet because they're losing money. Right? Good idea. Keep working on it. Offer what's available. And for people that want to buy it, they can buy it and use it. But the rest of us, leave us the hell alone. All right. When you have something better, when you have a, a, a wind turbine that can fly Air Force One around the world, let me know. And then I'll say maybe we're ready. But until then, we're certainly not ready. All right. Boy, I vented a lot of stuff out of here today. You know, and I really am. I really am a, a guy who loves humanity. I love people. I want people to just get along. But there's so many stupid things going on, things that we take, we take for granted that well, no one can really believe that garbage. And we realize that they really do believe that garbage, that people people are, uh, they're swayed by emotion more than they're swayed by common sense. They look at something and they see something completely different than what is really there. And they expect everyone else to see it too. And if you don't, you're wrong. You're a hater. You're this, you're that. 
and that, that's that's unsustainable. And we're we're seeing, I think maybe some changes towards that. Maybe we're starting to see some attitudes. Uh, living through three years of uh, socialist hell with President Biden is maybe opening people's eyes to the reality that maybe you know some ideas are good ideas. Maybe we can change the way we do some things. We can we can enlighten ourselves. We can do things better. But we can't we can't upend what America is because once America's gone, the whole world changes, ladies and gentlemen. As much as you hate America and America's founding and all these, when America is gone, the world goes into immediate chaos. Chaos you wouldn't recognize. They go medieval on you from that movie. It would be crazy if the United States was gone. So keep that in mind. All right. So I'm going to change gears now. Everybody get ready. We're changing gears. We only have a few minutes left here. But I want to talk about something that's important. Something that's a substantial idea, a concept uh, in safety and security. Because you know that, that's what I do. I worry about safety and security. So one of the things that I, I, I've written an article, I'm going to put it out there on some different publications that I write for about safety and security, trade, trade magazines, my own company, that kind of thing. One of the things we're seeing is the manifesto. We're hearing a lot about the manifesto, the manifesto. So what is a manifesto? It is a written document that someone creates that explains their mindset, their thought patterns, their grievances, their hatreds, their plans to do things, uh, their excuses, all those kind of things in a manifesto. So we remember the, uh, the Unabomber, right? The Unabomber, he uh, was sending bombs to people, killing people. And he had a manifesto, which basically he explained his hatred for the world and technology. And this is why he was killing innocent people that he thought was responsible for this, that, and the other thing. And they published his manifesto and his brother read it, not knowing that his brother was the Unabomber. But he read it and he goes, boy, that sounds a lot like my brother and the things he says. And he went to the FBI and it turned out, guess what? That's right. It was his brother, the Unabomber. So manifestos are something that we see. Because it gives us a lot of insight into the mind of someone who does something violent or bad or attacking. Uh, and, and manifestos can come in the traditional form, in writing. You know, people write them down, they journal and that kind of thing. Or they can come in the form of a video. You know, people make a video. So when I, when I look at school shooters, one of the things that I talk about is the kill list. You know, what is a kill list? Well, a kill list is very, very simply and basically a list that someone creates that has the names on it of people that they desire to hurt or to kill. And they make this list because as they think about it and they go on and on about it, they start to focus in on their anger, their hatred, their their uh, impotence, and they, they start to document this. They want to write it down for all to see and for all to know, right? So we see that the Columbine killers... Um, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, uh, they had uh, journals where they journaled their lives, where they talked about the slights that they felt, how they, they felt unloved, how they hated everyone around them, how they, they wanted vengeance for this hatred. Uh, it was very, very detailed, this manifesto. And it tells us, you know, their plans. They planned things out to the detail of how they were going to strike back at the world for, for the wrongs that they felt had been perpetrated on them. And we see a lot of times, and I've seen across the country as I go out and I do assessments and I help people with safety and security, in many instances I've seen 
where a person will write a kill list, a young person in school, write a kill list of the people that they hate. Uh, and there's a couple of things to kill list. One, either it is just a, it's a tool used to vent some of their anger and their hurt feelings and they just write down, you know, these 10 people, if I could, I would kill them because they're so mean to me and they're nasty and, and it makes them feel better just to write it down. And then there's other people that actually create a list and a journal and a manifesto of how they're going to attack, what they're going to do. And these are important points to understand. So I did a program about 10 years ago for school personnel on how to interpret uh, drawings, writings, social media posts, doodling, uh, anything that expresses one's feelings about anger and potential violence so that when you see an example of this in school or in the workplace or something, you do the right thing with it. And what I found was we were having lots and lots of school personnel come across kill lists by a student. And a couple of things would happen. Either the teacher would see it and not realize the significance of it. And they would say, listen, you can't write a thing like that in school. And they would take it away and destroy it. Or if they did report it to the police, oftentimes the police would come and say, you know, this is not right, but the kid didn't do anything. He just wrote something down and it wouldn't be investigated correctly. So I, I started to teach them how to identify these things. And for my brother and sister law enforcement, give them some ideas. You get a kill list from a kid. You can't just talk to the parents. You can't just, you know, talk to the kid. You have to find out, does the kid have weapons? So you go to the house, you do a consent search. If you have probable cause, you get a warrant, you search through the house. You look for a manifesto, you look for plans, you look for weapons. And in that way, if we did that, we could certainly prevent some, not all, we could prevent some of these tragic attacks that people do at work and at school and all over the place. But that was something that I did recently. So I think I'll do a whole program on that uh, coming up uh, very shortly on kill lists and what it means, uh, how to interpret it, and some of the examples of things I've come across. All right, so heavy show today, really heavy show, right? All the politics, the negativity in the world, the attacks, and now kill lists. But I think these are all things that we, we have to understand as we go forward as part of the reality of our lives. So listen, it's been very good to be here with you again today. I love to talk to everybody and be out there. So remember, until uh, we meet again, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. We'll see you down the road. <laughs>